Tape from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, a show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. John, you want to talk about the movie we're going to see today? We're doing a movie this week. We're doing, yes. uh, I mean, why, why don't you uh, talk about the movie? This was this was something that you were really pushing for, and we had to push it off uh, last week when we had the SNL at Home episode. Yeah, that came out of nowhere, but now we reviewed it, and uh, now we get to do this uh, movie that's one of my favorites, uh, Hot Rod. The movie by uh, the people at Lonely Island, the Lonely Island gang, Akiva Schaefer, Yorma Tacone, and Andy Samberg. Uh, this movie came out August 3rd, 2007, um, directed by Akiva Schaefer, his first film he's ever done. And it was written by Pam Brady, uh, who wrote on South Park. She wrote the Team America World Police movie. She wrote Hamlet 2, uh, wrote on Just Shoot Me, Lady Dynamite. So she's, she's had some comedy chops. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty impressive career she's had. And I was very surprised when the movie started up and I saw her name listed as the writer. I was like, oh, wow, I thought this, I was assuming that the Lonely Island guys uh, wrote this. But apparently she wrote the original script and she wrote it for Will Ferrell right. originally. Um, and then when the Lonely Island guys took it over, they rewrote it. But uh, yeah. Pam Brady still got the sole credit on it. I don't know how much of her script remains. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe the idea of it remains, but like there is a ton of Lonely Island sensibilities throughout this entire movie. I think they wanted, I think because like they were going to take the original script and have them do it, but then they thought, well, this just seems like Andy Samberg trying to do a Will Ferrell impression. So they really want to take all the Ferrell out and put in all the um, their own type of stamp on it, which, uh, which I get. It makes sense. I mean, well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you write something with one star in mind and then you shift it to another actor, of course you're going to rewrite the script a l- at least a little bit to tailor it for your, your new lead actor. Absolutely. So uh, when this, this movie came out in August of 07, had a budget of 25 mil, only made 14 mil. This movie was a big old bomb, a stinkeroo, got 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it, it did not... I remember... Just when this movie came out, I don't think I saw it in the theaters. For some reason, I don't know why I didn't. But I just saw it in, um, well, I saw it on DVD afterwards, and I was like, oh, this movie's actually pretty funny. It's actually funnier than I thought it'd be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this was my first time uh, seeing it, so I was coming to it uh, pretty fresh. I, th- I, I don't think I'd seen more than, like, a trailer for it. Um, oh. So I, I, was, I was coming to it pretty fresh, and I, it's hard to believe this movie's, like, 13 years old already. Good Lord. Yeah, it's in its teens. My God. <laughs> I know. Yikes. I know. It's, it's going to be like stealing beer and, uh, <laughs> and from, from the, the drugstore and <laughs> and drinking it in the parking lot. Yeah, hanging out in front of the 7-Eleven, you know, cursing out its dad. I don't know why I'm assuming that this movie is a juvenile delinquent, but uh, it, it seems appropriate somehow. It does. It does. It's, it's, it, it fits. It tracks. Uh um, so yeah, I can't wait to hear your take on it. This is your first time seeing it. This would be uh, pretty interesting. So, um, uh, you know, should we, should we just get into it as a, as we go? Do you, do you want my thoughts up top? How do we, how do you want to do this, Darren? Um. Well, let's just go. Yeah, let's just get into it and just kind of lay out the basic premise and stuff like we always do. Um, okay. Okay. So uh, so basically, the movie starts with uh, Andy Samberg, who plays Rod Kimball, who is like a the titular hot rod. Yes, exactly. And he's this guy who's, you know, a bit of a 
bit of a dope, bit of a loser, but he wants to be a stuntman, so he goes around town doing stunts on his moped. Uh, yeah, he It's very much character type at that time where he's he's playing a man. Yes, very much so. And he has a, a, a quote-unquote crew with him that helps him do all these stunts. He has his uh, stepbrother, Kevin, played by Yorma Tacone, who's one of the Lonely Island guys. He mm -hmm. has um, Rico, who builds the ramps, played by Danny McBride. And right. he has um, Dave, played by Bill Hader, who's the mechanic. Right, right. And... and uh... Yorma, I, I don't know if you said that. Yeah, he's the team manager videographer. Yeah, yeah. He's always there with like a camcorder to cam to uh, videotape all the stunts. And it op the movie opens with them do you know, doing a, a stunt where he he's, uh, jumps over on his moped over like a ice cream truck, which of course goes horribly. He like sm smacks his back on the, on the ramp. It's uh, pretty brutal. Yeah, I read on the IMDb trivia page that during the filming of that opening scene uh, where Rod's trying to jump over that, uh, the ice cream truck, the stuntman playing Rod actually broke his leg. So oh, <laughs> we're just a few minutes into the movie. We are seeing a stuntman actually for real get injured. Oh, my God. It's like faces of death. Holy hell. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe they didn't use that take, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't say for sure if that take is in the movie. And. I wasn't watching yeah. this on DVD or anything, so I, I don't know if this has a commentary or anything. Uh, we should say the, the movie's on Netflix if you want to check it out. It is currently oh. streaming on Netflix. Actually, it's on Netflix and Amazon Prime, so you got two oh. ways to watch it. So there you go. You got options, people. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also another thing I noticed throughout this whole movie, there's very, like, 80s vibe to it. Like, they, play a, like, they play a lot of songs from Europe. The uh, like that Swedish arena rock band from the eighties. There's a lot of Europe in this place. Um, there's a uh, one scene where they're playing a song from Stacy Q, and there's Cutting Crew. A lot of eighties songs throughout this whole movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, th there is an eighties connection. The film score was a uh, uh, former Yes guitarist uh, Trevor Rapin. A oh, Rapin. a Rapin? Rapin. I don't know how you say it. It's R A B I N. Uh, quote the Raven. Yes. Haha. <laughs> See what I did there? Hey. I did. You got a literary on us. <laughs> oh boy! All right. So yeah. So that's base. That's the basic premise. Uh, hot Rod is a guy who's trying to be a stuntman. He's a big old failure. He uh, still lives at home with his parents. His mom, played by Sissy Spacek, mm -hmm. and um, his stepdad, played by uh, Ian McShane. And uh, yeah. they have this. They, they have this Ian thing. McShane, who you probably know from uh, uh, Deadwood, is what he's best known for. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's this thing that goes on throughout the movie where because uh, Ian McShane, Frank, uh, is Rod's stepdad, he f Rod feels like he needs to fight him and beat him and win in order to earn his respect and love. So, right, because he's just Frank's stepson, he, f he feels that he has to earn the love that his, uh, his stepbrother, uh, Kevin, automatically gets. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and another thing, too. Whenever... Uh, Rod does a stunt or he fights his dad. He has like a fake mustache he puts on. Right, <laughs> like because, because real men have mustaches, but Rod can't grow a, a real one because he has a hormone disorder. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's not wrong, but yeah. Uh, so, of course, uh, there's a scene of 
Rod and Frank fighting that's actually really physical. Like, this, there's a lot of stuntman work throughout this whole movie. There's a lot of, like, physicalities throughout this thing. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and it ends with Frank just, you know, pretty much kicking his ass and beating him, beating him soundly. It's rough. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so that's basically it. And also, um, they introduce uh, Denise, who lives next door, played by Il- Ilsa Fisher. Ella Fisher. Isla Fisher. Damn it. Isla Fisher. I thought, I, I thought I'd have it. We texted about this right. today. Yeah. We had this debate <laughs> on the podcast last week if it was Ilsa or, or Isla. And I I Googled her this morning and it, it is Isla Fisher. I okay. So the S is silent? Yeah. Oh boy. All right, Isla Fisher. And she plays Denise, the girl next door who Rod has a crush on. I think I mean, I think she um, she kind of went away to college, but she came back in town, so they know each other. And of course, Rod is all yeah. It's it's very vague. It's uh, they're they're seeing each other apparently for the first time in a while at the beginning of the movie, and it's 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 very much like if you've seen the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire and and Kirsten Dunst as Peter Parker, and Mary Jane, and they're like sort of bonding over their their backyard fence. It's kind of like that. Yeah, very much, very Mary Jane Peter Parker vibes. Very strong. I so mean, anyway, you know, the fact that Isla Fisher is a famous redhead too that enhances the feeling. So I mean, who knows? Maybe that's part of why they cast her. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, so Brad has this big stunt he's going to do next, where he's going to jump the pool, the uh, community pool. He invites Denise over to it, and uh, you know he gets ready to do it, and he like, of course, like all his stunts. It goes uh, horribly wrong. He just falls into the pool with his moped and embarrasses and himself. Apparently, that was a stunt that uh, Andy Samberg did himself. He did as many stunts as he was able or allowed to do, and that apparently the pool uh, thing was was one of them. Yeah! Wow, I didn't know that. Well, he's he's uh, he's like the comedic Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's he's a daredevil of our time. <laughs> That's uh, right. And, and as long as we're talking about stunts, here's another interesting tidbit I found on the uh, IMDb trivias. It says uh, all of Andy Samberg's uh, stunt doubles had prosthetic noses to make them as big as Andy's. Um, hurtful way to phrase that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Yorma Tacone and Akiva uh, Schaefer played a joke on Samberg by requesting that the prosthetics be larger than his own nose so he would feel insecure. Jesus, a friend does that. I mean, I guess I guess because they're old friends, you can do that. But yeah, busting that's that's some serious job busting there. Yeah, it's like hey, and man. And, and possibly uh, uh, racist. I don't know. Oh, anti-Semitic? You mean anti-Semitic? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're all Jewish, aren't they? So I guess it's not. I think they it's, are, yeah. So okay, I guess you're when you're a Jew, you're allowed to make fun of other Jews. <laughs> when you're a Jew, you're a Jew all the way. Uh, wait, where was I? Yeah, all right. So um, you were you were singing from West Side Story. I was, I was. All right, so um, so Rod goes home. Apparently, his neither his mom or his dad went to see him do the jump. Um, oh, also, Kevin Kevin wasn't there either. Uh, he comes back home soaking wet, and he finds out that. His stepdad, Frank, is actually quite sick, uh, so much so that he needs a heart transplant. And right. he needs and like, yeah, he needs like 50 grand to uh, do the, ha- to uh, have the transplant. Yeah. And then he's, uh, and then uh, Rod is like, well, why, why didn't you tell me this was, was happening? 
And the mom says, like, oh, we didn't think you could handle it. And he's like, oh, well, Kevin must be torn up because he just found out about this, too. And they're like, oh, no, we told Kevin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. And, and, and actually, Go ahead. Well, no, I this um this whole thing where he needs a Frank needs a heart transplant and he needs fifty grand for it. I didn't realize it until I looked it up. That's the exact same plot as the movie Dirty Work. Yeah, I read that too. Um, I didn't know that as I've never seen Dirty Work, but uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing it, but it was like years and years ago, and yeah, I remember it was like, oh, okay, it, it, it didn't it didn't wow me, but like I know it's again one of those cult classic films that like people love even though it did horribly at the box office so like yeah i know, I know dirty work flopped very badly oof i mean maybe not as bad as hot rod but it, it wasn't pretty i don't know i you know if we ever do dirty work we can we can look that up but uh all right all right all right so uh so yeah so then frank learned i mean so rod learns that frank needs his heart transplant he gets He's very upset. He's very emotional. So then he goes to his quiet place, which is like in the middle of the woods somewhere. And he does like a footloose type of dance montage. It is. I don't think it's like like a footloose dance montage. I, as best as I can remember that sequence in Footloose, it, I think, was almost shot for shot. He is he yeah. is doing like all the same dance moves that Kevin da- Bacon and his and his dance double did in that scene in Footloose. Where if if you're yeah, really got- where, where he's so upset he just like drives off to this abandoned warehouse or something and he's like drinking a beer and throwing the beer bottle and then swinging from the rafters and doing all this stuff and and we see Andy Samberg doing all this but it's much more awkward. Um, yeah, it's more like we, more flaily, more yeah, flailing. It's like the footloose dance as done by Ed Grimley. Um, oh, oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, and 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 there are some shots where he's obviously doubled, but it's like low light, so you can't quite see the person's face. And, right. and using the same song as the Footloose oh scene, my God. and I don't know the name of that song. Uh, but it's like you never, 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 never. That's oh, it's a ne- yes, it's never by Moving Pictures. Okay, okay. Well, they say never a lot, so it makes sense that the song is called Never. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I liked that little Footloose homage. Um, and and then, I, yeah. at one point, he, he because like Ren's like a gymnast, he start or uh, he starts doing like treating a thing like a pommel horse. And Andy Samberg's character does the same thing. And he gets up on a rock, and the rock has literal handlebars on it. Yeah, there's a lot of this movie's so strange. But yeah, there is that. And but then how the move how this whole scene ends he accidentally like trips on a log and he goes like oh shit and then mm-hmm. he like he trips and falls and he rolls down a hill for and i looked this up 47 seconds that's a long time it's like literally just like almost a minute of him just rolling and falling down a hill just hurting himself on every stone along the way it is it's that's commitment to a bit yeah yeah they they take it to kind of an absurd length um, oh, and we also find out uh, a little earlier than this, because I had my note uh, on this earlier, that uh, Rod's natural father was an anonymous stuntman. And, yes, and we yeah. find out a little bit more about his father over the course of the movie. Uh, but right. I just wanted to say that so we, we establish that uh, as close to the beginning as possible. No, no, that's good. Yeah, they, they, um, Rod had the picture of his father. He 
course, he has a mustache, and it's a picture of him with Evil Knievel, and he like who, who is it. Evil Knievel? If you weren't around in the seventies, Evil Knievel was huge. He was the guy. Um, oh. Do you do you remember Evil Knievel firsthand, Darren? Uh, I remember. I'm not sure if uh, you you have a memory of him or not. I mean, I know of him. I know I've seen like videos of him and like all these crazy, dangerous stunts. I know definitely in the seventies, he was like the dude. Yeah, yeah, and I was I, when I was like really young. I was a fan of Evil Knievel. And, and I remember this, trying to get me an Evil Knievel uh, jumpsuit thing uh, that I could wear for Halloween. I'm assuming, but I kept oh, going. She could never find one that fit because I was just I was I was. This is when I was like four or five. It must have been. And I was growing right. so fast that she couldn't find one that, that fit me. I think we eventually got one. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of the things bad. I remember from my childhood. I mean, yeah. I mean, those jumpsuits are pretty badass. They don't, I mean, they're, they're primed to make a comeback. But I guess it's one of the things where you can only really wear them at, like, parties and stuff. You can't really wear them, you know, day to day. Like, I mean, going- now you can. I mean, everybody's... At home, you can wear an evil Knievel jumpsuit if you are so inclined and you already have one. And yes. if you don't have one, you can probably order one off the internet. Damn straight. Yeah, full cape and everything. No one is... Yeah, get, get the cape. Wear the helmet. I mean, oh. you do you while we're in quarantine. That's that's what I'm saying. Dude, this is the time. This is, a, yeah. this is the time right now. I'm there will getting never my credit be card out. Right. I'm getting my credit card out right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we, we can just jump over objects in your home. I don't know what you have strewn about your floor, but uh, jump over <laughs> Daredevil in your home. home. Coffee tables, ottomans, you know, run the gamut. Yeah, exactly. So, so when Rod finishes falling down this hill after the, what was it, 47 seconds? Yep. Okay. He lands by this billboard saying one big jump. And he gets the inspiration that he is going to raise money to save his stepfather Frank's life by jumping 15 buses, which is one more than Evil Knievel jumped. And um, so he has this inspiration. He's going he's gonna to make this big jump to raise the 50000 that they need to pay for his medical treatment. Yeah, and like the way he kind of presents this idea to his crew is interesting because like his crew's there. He said he's going to tell them he's telling them this idea, but then Dave, telling them in their backyard. Yeah, they're in the backyard. Um, Kevin, of course, is wearing Heelys, which which took me back. It's like, oh yeah, I remember those Heelys. Those shoes with the skate. I'm sorry. What are Heelys? I don't think I know. You don't remember those? Those were big in like the early aughts, where it's like shoes, but they have like a, a wheel in the heel of them. Oh, like, oh okay. Yeah, I like knew what so, those are. I never knew the name of them. I think they were called Heelys. It was like they're like roller skates, but without the front. Wheels. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I, I know for me, I just never heard him called Heelys. Yeah, like I've just seen a bunch of people in the malls with them. So anyway, so he's um Rod is telling all his his crew about this idea, but then Dave gets up to leave. He's like, oh yeah, I gotta go to my job at the ice skating rink. So there's this whole little montage of Rod telling him the ideas while Dave is working at the rink, like he's operating the Zamboni with all three of them there, and then he's like, you know, stalking the uh giving out ice skates while Rod is talking. It was very, I don't know, the way the, the and, film And is, you see him, like, using a calculator in the back room to add up receipts and stuff. And Yeah, like, the way the, 
like the way the film is shot and the way it's kind of cut, like the way it like quick quick cuts to the next scene, it kind of reminded me of like Napoleon Dynamite a little bit. I yeah, I got a big Napoleon Dynamite vibe uh, from this movie. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, so uh, oh yeah, so yeah, so that's basically Rod's gonna do this. He has this big idea. He's gonna jump fifteen buses, earn enough money to uh, help Frank with his uh, heart transplant and um he gets denise the next door neighbor to join the team he introduces mm-hmm. denise to the team you know there's a there's that whole scene where like let's introduce ourselves i'm rod i like the party and then dave's right. like oh i'm dave i also like the party and everybody likes the party yeah yeah and they, they'd all just they can't get the uh the basic introductions down everybody is supposed to say their name and a thing about themselves um and everybody just wants to say, I like to party. And he's like, no, no, you don't like to party. I like to party. That's my thing. I'm the only one who parties. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So then basically it's just, I mean, the, the plot is pretty simple. So then it's basically them training, helping Rod to train to do this big jump. Uh, there's a scene where he like, hold, he tries to hold his breath underwater in, in a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he called on the soul of an elephant. Yes, an outdoor kiddie pool. Um, then there's like another scene where he's going to, he's going down a hill on like a, a dolly. It looks like, and his safety word is there's that whole scene where the safety word is whiskey, which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lonely Island loves hip hop, mm-hmm. and they got that from a Gangstar album called The Moment of Truth, where somebody pronounces the word "what" like that. Ah in one of the sketches. So they, that's from that what they got the whiskey sketch. It's like, it's a, it's a little factoid right there. Okay, that is a factoid. Yeah, yeah. So then, of course, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what the whole point of this was, but like it was just him like speeding down like a, a steep, steep hill on like a dolly. Yeah. And so he just goes speeding down and he crashes into somebody's trailer. And like uh, the owner of the trailer comes out saying, "You just fuck, you just messed up my trailer." And then, like Rico comes out of nowhere and starts beating the guy up. Yeah, there's a sustained beating of of the trailer owner. Yeah, no, I, I, I I'll admit, like I laughed out loud when like I think Rico said, "Oh, I'm super pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day." Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Danny McBride is is pretty funny in this movie. I mean, he he goes all out on his characters. And you know it's it's Danny McBride, so you you kind of know what you're getting there. Yeah, if you've and, seen uh, him in this or, or like the Foot Fist way, like Danny McBride, he's 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 just he's just a gift that keeps on giving. And uh, uh, throughout this whole training thing, while Denise is on the crew, Rod is is getting ready to ask Denise out. He's he's very attracted to her. Like early in the film, he he like tries to express it and he's like, you know, you look pretty. And she's like, what? And he says, I meant you look shitty. Uh, Cause he's that flustered and bad with women. Right. Uh, and, and and just... Just as he's getting ready to ask Denise out at the end of a training day. Uh, a guy pulls up in a Corvette and, and who is it? But Denise's boyfriend, uh, Jonathan played by Will Arnett. Yes. We get the great Will Arnett in here. And he's like, he's basically like a kind of a douche bro type of, uh, Corvette driving dude. So you, you, you yeah. And uh, so, and Rod gets so jealous that he immediately goes up to uh, 
the girl to counter it. I, I'm assuming it's a Dairy Queen. I don't know for sure if it was a Dairy Queen, but if it's yeah, not it's a like Dairy the ice cream. Queen, yeah, it's like the local ice cream place. It's like a Dairy Queen, if or whatever the Dairy Queen equivalent is in your town. Um, right. So Rod gets so jealous, he goes up and asks out Kathy, the cashier uh, girl at at the DQ, and um, and then he and then she accepts, and then he asks Denise and Jonathan to double date with them, and then we we cut to them in the restaurant, and and Kathy has not shown up for the day. She's standing Rod up. Yeah, yeah. And actually before that, I don't know why this made me laugh. Too. There's a lot of things here that made me laugh. That I was like I I can't explain why, but like when Rod is on his way to the date, he he sings that song while he's driving on his moped. It's like, "Oh, when you go on a date, you put on a shirt and you drive your bike to the date." Yeah, that's I don't know why that made me laugh so much. It was Yeah, totally improvised too. Um, but, uh, so on the, on the date, we, we discover more, uh, what a jerk Denise's boyfriend, Jonathan is. He, he sees, uh, his buddy Sullivan hanging out at the bar. They're at like an Applebee's or something, or a TGI Friday is one of those yeah. chain restaurant type things. And he gets up and yeah, cool. goes to join his buddy at the bar. And we can see him like at, literally hitting on girls at the bar with his buddy. Yeah. He's a bit of a jerk face. He's he's a douche nozzle. Yeah, um, he's a but, but we find out a little bit more about uh Rod's history. He explains to Denise that his dad was a stuntman in his own right and that he was the guy who tested stunts for evil Knievel to make sure that they were safe. Right. I actually have uh the story up if you want me to read it. Oh yeah, go for it. All right, so he talks so Rod talks to Denise about his dad. He's like, Oh yeah, he used to Evil Knievel testing his bikes before big jumps. He would do the jumps first to make sure that they were safe and let Evil come in and get all the glory. After a while, the old man said, to hell with that, I want the credit I deserve. So one afternoon, he set out to jump 10 milk trucks. He nailed the takeoff, but when he landed, something terrible happened. His front tire exploded like a cannonball, and his handlebars went straight through his head. Blood was everywhere. His teeth were ground down to a, to a powder and the front of his face exploded out the back of his skull. He died instantly the next day. So that's, that's <laughs> what happened with Rod's dad. He died instantly the next day. <laughs> um, so, so Rod, uh, he's, he's trying, he's continuing his training, he's trying to earn money, and he comes up with the idea to, to, have, to be a stuntman for hire for parties. And uh, right. we get a montage of him at various parties where he's he's like uh, being a human pinata. He's being beaten with sticks by little kids and dropping a bag of candy. And uh, another party, he has him he's has himself set on fire, and he's just doing every stupid stunt related thing you could do. Yeah, and like it's, I mean, he's doing all this to help out his stepdad, but then he he's also saying like, yeah, I'm just doing this so he can get so my stepdad can be healthy enough so i can beat the crap out of him yeah, yeah. it's a weird character motivation for sure yeah it's, it is so strange because like throughout the movie rod is like telling his stepdad yeah i'm getting you i'm getting you healthy so i could beat the snut out of you and he's like oh you couldn't like he still antagonizes him even though he's sick it's like oh you couldn't beat a drum he's yeah, like oh yeah. it's like i can't and wait when, to punch your face in and during this montage i noticed that uh 
uh, Danny McBride's character did something that he did in the last movie with Danny McBride that we watched. He, he, oh, Tropic had, Thunder? He, he, yeah, and Tropic Thunder. Uh, and in this movie, Danny McBride, he once again sets off an explosion prematurely when when uh, Rod's like in a tower and and he's supposed to escape from that and, and uh, Rico sets off the explosion prematurely. I thought, well, that's a weird connection. Ah, oh, so you're saying Tropic Thunder was inspired by Hot Rod. Or I'm saying that Danny McBride is horribly typecast. I see. That's that that probably makes more sense, yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, over over the course of this we can see like a, a bit of a connection between uh Rod and uh, Denise growing. I mean, as much of a connection as yet. I, I honestly thought I love Fisher's character in this movie was really horribly underwritten. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, uh, I mean, Isla Fisher and I would say Sissy Spacek. For some reason, the women in this movie, I mean, I don't mean to be all, you know, all, all feminist or whatever. Well, maybe I do. But, no, like, I mean, yeah. They're the two female parts, and both of them are rather underwritten. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't, yeah. like, Isla basically is the girl, the yeah, pretty she, girl. She is the, the bland pretty girl. Actually, like, just a few days ago on YouTube, I was just, you know, going down the YouTube rabbit hole and I watched. Uh, a, a clip from um, uh, SNL Weekend Update. And do you remember a character that uh, Cecily Strong did a, a couple of years ago at this point where she was like the 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 bland girl in every male-driven comedy? Yes. No, that's exactly who she is. Yeah. Absolutely. That That's what Isla Fisher's character seemed like in this movie because she's just the bland, pretty girl. And she doesn't really have any interests of her own or a backstory of her own we don't really ever find out what her deal is she is just defined solely in relationship to andy sandberg's rod which yeah i mean the i mean the the one thing i can think of like they do a scene of it where uh denise teaches rod how to do tai chi mm -hmm. and then rod asks her or is there a move you can do in tai chi where you make somebody crap their pants right. and like she does it on rod and you know Rod, of course, craps his pants, but he plays it off like he doesn't, like he right. didn't. Like, oh, that didn't work. I'm just going to leave right now and totally uh, not change my pants because that didn't work. There's nothing that women love more than slick dudes who pretend that they haven't crapped their pants when they really have crapped their pants. It's a real aphrodisiac. That's, that's what the ladies love. Right. <laughs> Fellas. Um... But yeah, so so that was that was a little frustrating because it's like, you know, I I've, I've seen Wedding Crashers, I've seen Isla Fisher in other movies. She can handle comedy, you know? Like let her do some funny stuff. But yeah, she she's mostly true. there just to react to uh to Rod, which is which is kind of too bad. Yeah, no, I agree. I hear you. You know, it's cuz it cuz it had to be, you know, it had to be frustrating for her because she's she's got comedy chops. Yeah, she absolutely does. But yeah. I don't know. C'est la vie. Oh, whatever. Um, but uh, so uh, Rod's uh, stepbrother, Kevin, um, he makes this promo video for Rod. And, you know, they're, they're really pushing this because they're trying to raise as much money as they possibly can for, for Frank's surgery. Um, and then we had a sequence. This is a sequence I liked. I, I don't have this character's name, but the guy who was handing out the flyers and just like literally tossing them in people's faces. Oh, uh, Richardson. Yeah, like uh, he was he was on an early. He was actually during at the uh, at the community pool. He want he wants to be part of their team, but they won't let him because he doesn't do anything. And right. it seems like all he can do is like kind of 
this hip thrust, this pelvic, you know, yeah. this rhythmic pelvic thrust. That's like his big, uh, his big move. Yeah, so he, he's he's supposed to pass out these flyers, and everybody's like passing out the flyers or stapling up, up in a normal way. And this this guy Richardson, he just literally tosses a pile of flyers into people's faces, and then he like faces the camera and starts doing pelvic thrusts. It it is ridiculous. It is it's it's just like what what's happening now here? What is this? It, it it's ridiculous, but I thought that was very funny. I, I like Richardson. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, pop up a little more. Richardson, the movie. Um, but uh, but all all through this, Kevin is is shooting uh, Rod, doing all his stunts, or or more accurately, attempts at stunts. And uh, they have a big movie premiere for for Hot Rod at the ice rink, and uh, they've raised over forty nine thousand dollars. So they're just on the cusp of earning all the money that they need. And as the movie starts playing, uh, Rod is very surprised that people are laughing at him in the movie. Right. Because, like, I mean, the way Rod plays it, it, like, he's, you know, he's the goof. He's the dope. But, like, everything, he doesn't see himself the way other people see him. Like, to him, he's, like, cool and he's very, you know, earnest and heartfelt. So, like, when he's doing these stunts and he's, you know, giving these speeches, you know, life's, life's a stunt goes stunt it or whatever he said like he's giving all these heartfelt speeches but people just see him as being ridiculous and they laugh at him even though he's what he's doing doesn't he feels like it's not meant to be laughed at right right and he gets he gets very frustrated he gets very fed up he he orders uh kevin to stop the movie and then he goes up to the projection room he rips out the projector and he like throws it out the window and um and he's he storms outside and he's he's very mad at kevin because he thought Kevin made him look foolish. And we find out that the projector that Rod threw out the window crashed into the windshield of a cop car. Uh, so Rod loses all the money that he raised to pay for the, those damages. Yeah, that's not good. So he was, he was just there and it was, you know, victory was snatched away from him. Uh, oh, so close. Uh, and so then he goes home dejected and then his mom has a heart-to-heart with him, and then his mom lets him know the truth about his, you know, his birth father, about what he actually really was. Yeah, yeah. He finds out that uh, his mom has been lying about his uh, biological father all his life. His dad was actually a cashier in a tire shop. And yeah. he died choking on some pie. <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh at that, but it's just, it's the most ridiculous way to go. It's just like, oh yeah, he really wanted to win that contest. You know, I'm, honestly, I could think of worse ways to go than choking on some pie. Yeah, yeah, you die, but you, you know, you have pie. Yeah, it's a sweet death. That, that ain't that bad of a thing. I wouldn't mind dying with a little pie in my mouth. Yeah, dying on dessert. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think they said what type of pie it was. I mean, what what type of pie would you like to choke to death on, Darren? Excellent question, sir. I've thought about this, and um, let's get into it. Okay. All right. Now, I mean, I mean, apple would be, of course, you know, that's that's that would be my first go-to apple crumb. Classic choice. Classic apple crumb. Choice. But I might apple crumb. Ooh. Yeah. I. You know, what? I'm gonna say apple crumb. Yeah. Apple With crumb. uh, that's a good solid choice. 
Yeah, I think that that would be it. I mean, blueberry might be in the mix and maybe even a nice... It would be kind of messy, you know, because especially if you're choking to death, you might spit some of that up and then you get blueberry stains all over you and you don't want to die with blueberry stains on you. That's embarrassing. I mean, we we all saw Stand By Me. We saw that that scene. Yeah, you're choking to death, but you don't want it to look like you're a messy eater. Yeah, Mike, what, what will people think? Yeah, I think I think apple crumb is a solid choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, pecan I is also, good too. I, yeah, pecan's okay. I a, a mm. little pecan pie goes a long way for me. Um, I hear you. All right, all right. What I'd stay away from one because of the messy, the potential of the messiness, the same as the blueberry, and also because it would stick that horrible warrant song in my head. And I don't, oh. I don't want to have that in my head when I, de- when I leave this mortal coil. <laughs> She's so good. Make a grown man cry. Yeah, no, Wait, you don't. Geez. Nobody needs that. Nobody. Needs no, that. Lord. No. Um, I, I could, I could see myself choking to death on a peach cobbler. Oh, I like, I didn't even think of that. Well done, yeah. sir. A nice peach cobbler, maybe with a little ice cream on top. Oh, Ooh. but that's a cobbler. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's a cobbler. That's not a pie. I mean, it's, we, oh, that's true. It, it, a cobbler is not in the pie family. I, I mean, we could split hairs. I mean, I'll, I'll leave this up to the judges. But I, I don't know. If we're, if we're gonna die on a pie, let's let's make it a pie. Let's not cut corners. Uh, okay, you're right. You're right. There should be no ambiguity about the pie that we choked to death on. I, yeah, I think apple crumb is a really solid choice, man. Nailed it. I mean, you could you could go. I mean, I do love a good key lime pie. Oh, I didn't even think about key lime. Damn it. But, mm. but it's not a real dense pie. So unless it was frozen, I don't really see how you could choke to death on a key lime pie. Mm. Okay. What about banana mm-hmm. cream or is that? Ooh, banana cream. Again, I think it would be very tough to choke on banana cream because it's basically just pudding. Mm. That's very it's true. It has to be. Yeah, okay. Guys, call in. Let us know what pie you want to die on. Yeah, no, I'm very fascinated by this question now. This is, but I, I think I think apple crumb. I think that has the taste quality you want, and it also has the the right sort of density to choke death on. Put some whipped cream on it. Glass of milk. Ooh, yeah, I'm going. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. That's a, yeah. that's a good yeah. way to leave. Beam me up, Scotty. Oh, I yeah. I'm I'm gonna just go on record and say. The choking to death on pie, that's that's probably a cooler death than than a stunt-related death. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So, you know. I mean, uh, I'm not r- for sure what type of pie he choked to death on, but I'm just going to assume it's apple crumb. That's fair enough. I'm going to tweet the guy at Lonely Island and uh, find out, get to the bottom of this. You should find this out. We need to do We need <laughs> to do the research. <laughs> at Yormica Tacone. Hey, what pie did it? Um, but anyway, so, so Rod, of course, is very distraught at hearing this news. And so he gives up being a stuntman. He's, he, you know, he, and he tries to be an adult. When we next see him, he's, he's in a liquor store and he's in a, a polo shirt and khakis and he's buying up all the liquor in the store. Yeah. White wine. Zinfandel. Yes. Like adults, what adults do. drink. Yeah. Yes, uh, they don't really yeah. say how old Rod is in the movie, do they? Not really. I mean, I you get the sense like uh, I would say early mid twenties, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think they they kind of they kind of hinted that like um, Denise went away to college and she's back. So oh, yeah, like, good I'm, call, good call. So I mean, based on that, I'm guessing they're like in their early mid twenties. 
do you think Denise majored in in college? Mm, here we go. All right. Um, we have next to nothing to go on here. We know she does Tai Chi. Right. And we so attracted to Rod for some reason. Yeah, that she's real. She's into him. Like, at, like at the first in the first scene she's in, she's yeah. like, "Hey, she's like, hey, Rod." I was like, "Really? Yeah. Huh?" I mean, but you know, if you if you write a script, you can just write it any way you want, I guess. I mean, even even though she's got the jerky boyfriend and Jonathan, she does she does seem to be into Rod. Rod Very is growing true. on her over the course of the movie. <laughs> Rod. Um. But oh, I don't know. I I don't I don't know if we even have enough information to speculate what what Denise might have majored in in college. Yeah, I mean, based on what we know, I would say she, maybe she majored majored in Tai Chi. I don't know. You major in Tai Chi? I don't even know. It could be an elective. I don't know. We don't know yeah. what college she went to. Yeah. Maybe she went to Berkeley. Maybe. Maybe. But all right, so, um, a college sweatshirt on her at some point is all I'm saying. That's very, uh, very true. Very true, good sir. Give right, some so, backstory, Lonely Island. That's all we're saying. That's right. At Yormuth to Cone. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Rod is basically giving up being a stuntman. The crew is dispersed. Uh, Rod. Oh, we also forgot to mention Rod actually gets into a fight with his brother Kevin because he blames Kevin for everybody laughing at him, saying, "Oh, you made me look like a fool in this film. It's all your fault." And like they have a bit of a falling out. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So then we go into this uh, pretty weird scene where um, Dave calls Rod let's, out of. Let's the- be real, Darren. They're they're mostly all weird scenes. It's a very weird... Well, I mean, I'll get into it right now. But um, when I was looking into it, one of the movies that Andy Sandberg says like, inspired him, like humor-wise, was uh, Wet Hot American Summer. And if you think about that movie and this movie, you, you definitely can see the uh, correlation. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see... I mean, they both uh, have like a certain surreal humor. I think... I, I definitely would put Wet Hot American Summer... Uh, several notches above Hot Rod, though. Yeah, fair enough. I'd say that. Yeah, like, I think Wet Hot American Summer it builds much better than Hot Rod does. Hot Rod gets pretty weird pretty early, um, and and uh, Wet Hot American Summer gets progressively weirder throughout the film, and and that was the thing that really blew me away about it when when I first saw the film. Yeah, no, fair enough. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember watching it, and it was kind of weird in the beginning, but funny, but then from that to where it ends, you're just oh, like, what? What? No comparison. No comparison. Yeah. Was, by the end of that movie, I was like, what is happening? What is, what? What, what? What? I was, I was thinking about it. We could uh, talk about Wet Hot American Summer uh, someday on the podcast, because it does star Janine Garofalo, who was for one year, for or maybe slightly less than one season, a cast member on SNL. True enough. Amy Poehler's in it too, right? Amy Poehler. Well, yeah, if you want to count Amy Poehler as a <laughs> cast member. I oh, mean, and, sure. Uh, and Molly Shannon. Oh, and Molly Shannon. Okay, sure. If if that's your standard for SNL <laughs> cast members, like somebody who's been on SNL for several seasons. Yeah. It kind of, yeah. I guess, okay. Fine. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So all right. So uh, back to this movie. We're talking about a whole other movie here. Um. So yeah. So there's a scene where Dave calls Rod up in the middle of the night and be like, "Hey, Rod, how you doing? Think you man?" 
Um, just want to see how you're doing. See if you want to hang out. You know, maybe uh, take me to the hospital. You know, whatever. If you can. If, if you can't, no worries. You know, guy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Rod's like, what? You need to go to a hospital? It's like, yeah, kind of. But, you know, if you can't, no problem. So, of course, Rod takes his mom's minivan, uh, picks up Dave, and Dave has a huge hunk of metal sticking out of his head, like above his eye. Right, right to the side of his eye. And he's like, oh, my God, is it noticeable? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it is. And then he tells him how it happened. He was basically at work. Uh, his friend Derek, played by um, Akiva Schaefer, the director, gives him some acid. And um, so he's high on acid. And then he does, like, some metal woodworking, some metal shopping. And he gets a, a piece of metal flies off and, like, hits him right, you know, gets stuck in his above his eye. And apparently Bill Hader based his character of Dave off of his friend Eric, and the tripping ball scene was based off true events involving Hater and his friend. But in this case, Hater was Rod. So Hater apparently did have to drive a friend to the hospital after he injured himself tripping balls off on acid. I mean, when, when something like that happens in your life, you got to put it. Yeah, you, pre- you were pretty much legally required to put that in your life. <laughs> Just a friend calls, you like, hey, like if I called, he's like, hey, man. So uh, I accidentally, uh, you know, cut off my my leg. Can you take me to the ER when you can, John? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and as long as we're talking about uh, Bill Hader's character of Dave, uh, this might be a good place to mention that uh, uh, Bill Hader's long hair in this movie it is not a wig. He grew it out that long. That is, I, th- I thought there was like no. He did not grow it out that long. He had hair extensions put in, which he wore through the entire summer. The movie was shot. I mean, that's dedication. I mean, that's got to get was, hot, right? Yeah, he went. He went. He went. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like a full mullet, but it is in the mullet kind of territory. Yeah, it's definitely like scraggly looking, like a like a roadie for uh, I don't know, docking or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or, or white snake or or something yes. like that. Yeah, what one of those '80s hair metal bands? Here I go again on my own. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, yeah. So then, as Rod drops off Dave, Dave kind of has a heart to heart with him, and he, he actually gives him some good advice, saying, "Hey, you know, uh, if you it sucks about your dad, you find the truth about him, but if you really love doing stunts and you can do something to actually help your stepdad, who I know you love, you should actually." do it so you know he's like he actually convinces rod to like all right maybe i should do this stuntman thing give it another go yeah yeah he's inspired again and then uh after this uh rod finds out he he reconciles with kevin you want oh, yeah, to we... where they reconcile yeah it's, the, it's another strange uh scene where uh kevin's in his room doing karaoke to his dolls he's singing like uh what you do yeah, he's singing like a George Michael song, and then, he, turn, uh, then he turns it off. Then he talks to uh, Rod. Rod comes in and he he says, "Hey, you know, sorry for what I did. Are we cool? Cool, cool beans, cool beans." And then they each of them say like, "Cool beans again, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans." And then it kind of goes off into like this kind of DJ. Like they just say "cool beans" back and forth, but then it goes it has like a beat behind it and yeah. it's like cool cool beans cool cool beans so i'm like it's and and it's edited in a very abrupt fashion where they're obviously like 
rewinding the film slightly, like playing the film backwards and playing it forwards again. And they have very abrupt cuts in there. Uh, they're, they're leaning into the artificiality of the scene. Right. Like if you've seen, it reminded me a lot of the one sketch from last week with Kyle and Beck. Oh yeah. Whereas, yeah, no, absolutely. It was like, it was a lot like that. It was yeah, very weird. About what, yeah. What, what you're writing, what's, what's cracking, what's shaking. Yeah, and like from what I've read, I think like uh, the director Akiva, he actually took out that scene, but then he did. But according to test audiences, they wanted wanted him to keep it in. It's like a lot of people said that was their favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, it, it, I have it up here. It says it was originally pulled by Akiva Schaefer, but the scene was edited by Sandberg and Tacone, and eventually Schaefer reinserted the scene in the last test screening, where it received high remarks from the audience, with some saying it was one of their favorite parts of the film. I mean, I, I remember when I first saw it, I was, it was very, I know I've said this before, but it, it was a very weird scene. Like, weird is pretty much the whole vibe of this movie. But like, yeah. and, but like cutesy, quirky weird. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, they reconcile and, and Rod discovers that uh, Kevin shared his video of Rod online and the thing has gone viral. And now an AM radio station agrees to sponsor Rod's stunt of jumping over the 15 buses. AM radio. AM radio. That's the future of media right there. Damn straight. We we hope to someday parlay this whole podcasting thing into an AM radio gig. Dude, fingers crossed. That's the dream. Right. To God's ears. And, uh, and then, uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of the movie and we pull in, a uh, another SNL cast member, someone who was credited at the beginning, but it took so long for him, his character to show up. I'd honestly forgot that he was going to be in the movie. It's, it's Chris Parnell. Yes. Uh, Mr. Pasternak, the owner of the AM radio station. Yeah. The manager and, and the main DJ of the radio station. And he's, he's got a lot riding on this stunt because he spent the station's last 15,000 on. This <laughs> one. They only have 15,000. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That that AM radio, risk. yeah. And and he is, he is such a booster of AM radio that he has a tattoo on himself of it's basically like the the Calvin mud flap where he's like peeing on the logo, um, right? But but it's like Calvin, but not Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes because that would be actionable, and the Calvin peeing stuff is bootleg to begin with. Um, Right, right. And so it's like Calvin peeing on both uh, color TV and FM radio. Right, right. Those are the two banes of his existence. And he's like, and I know it's not really physically possible to pee, pee on two things at the at the same time, but I was thinking that perhaps he'd had sex the night before and there was still a little bit of residue and that is splitting the, the stream. <laughs> he, he explains this in quite graphic detail. He's given us a lot of thought. And apparently they want the original when they originally wrote the scene, they they wanted to use the word semen. Um, but the uh, MPAA objected to that. They would have like bumped the rating up to an R or something. Uh, so they had to say residue instead. Yeah, but I mean, see, semen is like the technical term. It's a clinical it's... term, but uh, <laughs> I guess if it's used in a sexual context, it's not good. I don't know. Oh, boy. I mean, they've they got very arbitrary rules. Yeah, and plus that tattoo looked like it was done in pen. I gotta, I gotta say, like, that don't look. Wow, that, just <laughs> calling out the veracity of the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, 
It's like the budget person was like, just get a bunch of bicks. <laughs> just draw it. You're, you're saying that Chris Parnell was not actually tattooed for this movie. Yeah, I'm saying that. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, calling, you, I'm calling you out, Lonely Island. That don't look All like right. All right. A Lonely Island, I still believe in you, but uh, Darren has his doubts. That's right. Parnell, where's the dedication to your craft? If you really uh, believed in your character, you would have gotten a tattoo of Calvin peeing on FM radio and color TV. I mean, it seems like the least you could do. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, he wrestles a bear. Yeah, exactly. You get it. You get it. All right, so... You could get get a a tattoo like that now. You you do, like, voice work these days, so you don't have to be on camera quite as much. So get the bear tattoo. That's all we're saying. Yeah, use some of that archer money, man. Exactly, exactly. Use use okay. some of that uh, um, Rick and Morty money that's coming your way. All right, he's on Rick and Morty too. He's, yeah, he's the dad on Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, he's loaded. Yeah, I I hope he is at least. I mean, he certainly deserves to be. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, so as uh, so then as the movie goes along, we see uh, Rod calling uh, Denise's cell phone, which is the old flip phone, telling he wants to tell her about the. Uh, the, the jump, but uh, Jonathan answers, and then he he says, Will "Oh Arnett, yeah." I'll... In case you've forgotten, yes, yes, and Will Arnett, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll tell her," and of course he doesn't tell her because he's a douchebag. He's like, "Oh, wrong number," and yeah, and he, he's like, "Oh wait, let me take down the details," and and Andy Samberg literally says, "Are you just waving your hand in the air, pretending you're writing this stuff down?" And he's like, "No, no, I'm writing it down," <laughs> and he's not. Like a dude. Will Arnett, by the way, he only uh, shot two days on this movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, it's the it's the morning of the jump. Uh, Rod gets ready. He leaves his house, uh, walks down the street in slow motion. Um, Kevin, you know, walks beside him, and they walk in slow motion. Rico comes, and Dave comes. They're all walking down the street in slow motion as people kind of. You know, on the street, kind of look at them. It's like a very inspiring slow motion walk, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've seen it a hundred times in movies, like Armageddon or whatever. And then, of course, like as they walk down the street, people are following them, and then they're kind of looking behind, and being like, "Who are these people? Why are they following us?" And then it's like it has like um, I think they're playing the song "You're the Voice" by John Farnham, who who had some songs in the '80s movie uh, Rad, the BMX movie Rad. So it's like a very kind of very '80s inspiring type of uh, scene to show. We're like, uh, I didn't catch. I've never seen the movie Rad, so I didn't catch that. That's a, that's a very inside reference. Yeah, I didn't see. I never seen Rad either. I just I looked it up and well, you've seen Rad. Don't don't I, from. <laughs> no, you've I haven't. Seen Rad. I've never seen Rad. You've got the um, poster no. of Rad up on your wall at home. There, I've. <laughs> I've been to your house. I've seen it. <laughs> I have a rad tattoo on my chest. It looks yeah. like it's drawn in pen. Yeah. And and also that, that movie where where uh, a young Josh Brolin played a skateboarder that I can't remember the name of. Oh, uh, Gleaming the Cube or something? Maybe that was it. I'm going to look that up now. Okay. Um, but yeah, so anyway, it's weird because like, so the crew and Rod are walking down the street. Um, there's like a, a whole bunch of people behind them. People are singing this inspiring 80s songs in the street. And then out of nowhere, one guy picks up a garbage can and throws it through a storefront window. 
and then a riot breaks out. Like, like somebody, like people are flipping over cars or setting cars on fire. Uh, some people knock over a man in a wheelchair. There's a couple making out, and then suddenly it's like a a big blowout riot. And then uh, Rod and the guys just like run the hell out of there. It's a very weird turn it takes. Uh, by the way, I found the information on the Josh Brolin skateboarding movie. It was called Thrashin', uh, but it oh is also God. known as Skate Gang. So, uh, and it was made in 1986. Thrashin'. That's all right. Thrashin'. Yeah, I, I the only literally the only reason I remember this film is because it had uh, advertisements on the back covers of comic books that I was reading in the eighties. <laughs> And I just I saw this poster a lot. I don't think I ever saw it playing in a theater, but uh, but I remembered that it was a young Josh Brolin. Wow! Yeah, there was a while. It also started. There was a while in the. Who did it star? Uh, It stars uh, Tony Alva, Tony Hawk, uh, Christian Holsoy, and Steve Caballero. So a lot of famous skaters. It also stars Sherilyn Finn, who was cast by the director. Together with her boyfriend at the time, Johnny Depp, who was later replaced by the producer. Interesting. Wow. And the Red right. Hot Chili Peppers make an appearance in the film. Oh, so, what I, I did not know. Yeah, for a while. It, like, I'm gonna have to find this movie now. Yeah, there, there you go. You got you got yourself an assignment there, buddy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for a while, like in the '80s, like BMX bikes and skateboards were like all the rage. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a big uh, skating uh, uh, fad in in the '80s. I, th- I think. Uh, cause I think cause of back to the future. Oh know, yeah. I think back sense. to the future made skating look really cool again. So I think a lot, I, I just remember when I was like in junior high around 1985 or 86, that was when like a lot of the kids seemed to get into skating. Yeah. That, that yeah, makes skateboarding, sense. That I makes sense. Uh, I mean, and, I never skateboarded. I was, I was a bike man. I can, I, I think I could still ride a bike pretty well, but skateboarding was just, it wasn't my bag, baby. Could you be a daredevil? Could you? Did you ever like jump over buses on your bike or on your moped? No, I just like. Uh, I think I rode backwards once for like five seconds, and that that was pretty. That was pretty badass for me. I was there like, you go. Right, I, there you I'm go. Good. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. So uh, anyway, so um, Rod and the crew run away from this riot. Uh, Rico has is holding a TV out of nowhere. And um, yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I don't believe how people are so irresponsible as to, you know, just gonna. All you can do is just get out of there and try and and hope you're safe." And exactly. the entire time he's talking about this, he's he's holding a television that he's obviously boosted from somewhere. Exactly. Uh, so looting. so then they get ready to. What's up? Went looting. Yes, looting. Absolutely. Uh, so then, um, so they get ready to do the jump. Uh, then we cut to a scene where uh, Jonathan and. Denise are together, and Jonathan's going by a store to pick up some vitamin water, and of course, a bag, a box of dong bags, so they can knock boots later. And, as you and, do, as you do, you know it's a, it's her birthday, and so then um, as he's going in, Denise hears that Rod is doing the jump, and of course, you know Jonathan doesn't care, and of course, you and know, she had no idea about this because Jonathan never gave her a message because again, jerk boyfriend. Right, of course. He's a stereotypical drug boyfriend that's in every 80s movie. Right. And of course, uh, that's when Denise realizes Jonathan's wrong for him and he just leaves leaves him there and he's like, babe, wait, babe, babe, wait, wait, babe. And, and she runs away and, and the joke is like, you know, she's, she's running away, she's going on foot 
and he he could easily chase after her, but he just stands behind his car and he's just like, "No, babe, wait." <laughs> Very much so. And um, so then we cut to the to the jump. It's a big spectacle. There's like tons of people in the bleachers. I think people said that you can see Andy Samberg's actual mom and dad in the audience too. If you if you yeah. look uh, close enough and know where to look, and then they have like this '80s arena rock band playing mm-hmm. called uh, Gown, and I it took me a minute to realize it, but that band that they have like this old you know dressed up in '80s regalia, that's actually one of my favorite bands, Queens of the Stone Age. Really? Yeah, the lead singer Josh Hom. If you look close enough, he's like, oh yeah, that's the dude for Queens of the Stone Age, and then you see the drummer and the guitar. I mean, the guys in the band, they were obviously all like all wearing wigs and stuff. And I saw like I, I saw like one guy. I was like, is that Horatio Sands in a wig? Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know for sure if it was Horatio Sands or not. I, I didn't see anything about him in the IMDb trivia. So maybe it's just a guy in Queens of the Stone Age who looks like Horatio Sands. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They, they obviously have a good sense of humor. Do you remember when they were they appeared on SNL when? Uh, Will Ferrell was hosting. Oh, how could I forget? It's one of the greatest SNL moments of all time. Yeah, and then, and Will Ferrell comes on as Gene, the cowbell player from uh, from Don't Fear the Reaper, and yeah. joined him in <laughs> on the cowbell. Yeah, on uh, yeah, when they were playing a uh, little sister. Yeah, like that's one, that's one of the things that like I love about that band. Like they uh, they don't take themselves too seriously. They're 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 not above like having fun and being goofy. Kind of like Foo Fighters, where they're like, yeah, we yeah. can. Yeah, you know, it's nothing wrong with being uh, being funny and silly sometimes. Yeah, I'm yeah like, no, it, it is. I mean, because musicians can get so pretentious so easily. So it is nice to see uh, some bands that are just yeah. Let's let's just be goofy. Let's just have fun. I respect that. So yeah, yeah Queens of the Stone Age makes a cameo in this movie. That's very cool. I didn't know that was them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Rod's about to ready to do the jump. Everybody's. Looking, he is very nervous. Um, his crew gave him a new motorcycle because they thought the moped wouldn't be able to make the jump. They gave him like a leather jumpsuit that's pretty A1. And like, but he's like, you know, nervous and he could really get hurt. And then, of course, out of nowhere, uh, Denise shows up, uh, you know, gives him an, uh, an inspiring kiss. And uh, that's yeah. when Chris, Chris Parnell what? is like, what's up? It, and it's kind of an awkward kiss at first because she her mouth is like wide open when she's going in for the kiss. Yeah, it was like, yeah, that's not how you kiss. That's- you for some reason they imply that Denise has no idea how to kiss. Yes, <laughs> you, even yeah, and Rod was like, no, no, a, a young woman in her twenties, and she looks like Isla Fisher. Yeah, you you know you know you look like Isla Fisher. You, and, uh, you, at the very least, had probably had uh, plenty of opportunities to learn. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, then they kissed like normal after Rod is like, "Oh, your, your mouth was all open." It was like, "Bye." Ah. So then Rod kisses her, and then they have this nice moment. And then Parnell, he's like doing the announcing of all this, and yeah. um, he announces like, "Oh, hey, they kiss." And like, I'm not saying that kiss was hot, but if the boner police was here, I demand a lawyer. What an odd line! It's so odd. there's so many odd things about this movie, but it's it's I I I dig it, I like it. And uh, so so then you know he's he's doing the big stunt. It's it's the moment of truth. He goes up the big ramps that I'm assuming Rico built. I don't think they ever actually outright say that Rico built them, but 
that was his job. So I'm assuming he built the ramps and and he's ready and he's he's got a big ramp and he's just going to go down to build up speed and then jump over those 15 buses. Right, right. So he does that. He um, so everybody's very tense and wondering what's going to happen. He uh, he he calls it on the souls of all the animal kingdom, the soul of a dolphin, the soul of an eagle, the soul yeah. of a house cat. <laughs> I like that bit. That was a, that was a cute bit. Yeah. So and then he does the jump, and it looks like he's doing it. Like as he's jumping, they do they do the slow motion shot where he's like giving the audience a thumbs up, but then they cut back in the show he's like as he's jumping mid-air he's not actually on his motorcycle anymore his like his motorcycle like he's like above it hovering above it and uh as he lands he lands on the ramp and the motorcycle goes flying into the the stage where the band is and like he's like seriously hurt and yeah he's he's horribly injured and he's yeah. he starts uh uh, he he'll actually loses consciousness, and he starts uh, having like a. They're like, "Oh, is he coming to some big revelation about his life and his?" Uh, and and in his, in his dream, he's no, no. He's thinking about a trivial conversation he had with Denise uh, earlier when he was getting ready to ask her out. Uh, but then he uh, immediately, before he's about to ask her out, he discovers that she, she has a boyfriend, Jonathan. And so he instead asks her who would win in a fight between a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco. And yeah, she, and like uh, she said, hold on, what were you gonna say? She considers the question seriously, and and she says, "Well, a grilled cheese sandwich, but if it's prison rules, a taco." Right. And Rod is like, "Wow, that's pretty racist, but correct." Yeah, yeah. And and in his dream sequence, he sees a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco fighting. Right, and the taco wins and beats. Yeah, the, the taco wins, beats the grilled cheese sandwich, and the grilled cheese sandwich is like bleeding out on the floor. And then Rod wakes yeah. up. Yeah, so Denise was actually correct. She she really called it. Uh, the taco grabbed a chair and like slammed it over the the grilled cheese sandwich uh, wrestling style, and we see the grilled cheese sandwich on the ground with uh, blood coming out of what I assume is his head. His, yeah, his crust, his crust. Yeah, also. I don't know. It, this this seemed like a gag, uh, almost out of uh, Harold and Kamar uh, go to White Castle. Yeah, I was gonna say this kind of reminded me. I mean, a lot of this, the things in this movie reminded me of very like a lot of Adam Sandler movies, like Billy Madison, definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Rod wakes up. Um, you know, everybody said no, you should lay down because you're you're seriously hurt. You're, you definitely got some broken bones, but. Rod is like, no, I wanna, I wanna walk out of here like a like a true stunt man. So he's able to get up and walk a little bit, and uh, then they show the uh, the board where where they have the money coming in, and as it turns out, they hit their they hit their goal. They raise five thousand dollars for Frank's conveniently priced surgery. Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Yeah, five thousand. That's that's Mexico prices. But yeah, fifty thousand fifty thousand dollars for Frank's conveniently priced surgery. Yeah, so he so he's succeeded despite uh, him not ever being good at stunts <laughs> yeah, and not that's, pulling off the big stunt that he wanted to pull off. He still raised all the money. Yeah, that's something that they point out in the movie. Rod he all, he fails every stunt he does throughout this entire movie. He's never successful ever in any of these stunts. Yeah, which um, I I understand why they did that, like real funny and all that, but I thought it kind of worked against them a little because. 
it uh, by halfway through the movie, I was like, okay, well, how's this stunt going to go wrong? I mean, because they were trying to do something unexpected with each one, but because by halfway through the movie, I was expecting every stunt to go wrong. I I didn't find any oh, of those so. stunts going wrong, especially funny by that point, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Like it's uh I mean, it makes, I mean, in a way he pulled it off. Cause I mean, he's like, he did make, he did jump over the buses. So that's, that's a win. I mean, he didn't stay on the bike when he did it, but, uh, but he, but he did do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so he, um, he hit the mark 50,000. Everybody's happy. There's big joyous applause. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge comes out of one of the, poke his head out of one of the buses saying, a cooked goose for everybody. It's very silly. And, and uh, his, his stepdad, Frank, can get the surgery. And then we cut to uh, what I guess is like a few months later where it, Frank's had the surgery, he's recovered, and now Rod is going to finally live his dream of wrestling his stepdad and defeating him and beating the crap out of him. And they're yeah, like, no, Rod, you can't do this. His heart is even stronger than it was before. Right. And uh, Rod's actually grown a little bit of a mustache. It's like uh, kind of looks like a little dirt on his face. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you remember like those later seasons of uh, Married with Children where Bud Bundy was trying to grow out the goatee. Wow. But it didn't that's... come in very well. Dude, that's a throwback. That, I did not see that coming. Wow. Yeah. Bud Bundy was not good at growing facial hair, you guys. <laughs> He was not. But that's the kind of mustache that Rod has in the final yeah. scene of the movie. Even worse at rapping. Yeah. Uh, Grandmaster B. But, uh, yeah, so they, they, they wrestle, and uh, I, I, I'd stop taking notes at, at this point, so why don't you, you take it from here, Darren? Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, it's just big knockout, drag-out fight between them. Uh, at one point, Frank throws like a, a a Chinese throwing star at him and hits him with it, and like they're they're like seriously breaking walls. They they start their fight out in the basement, but it gets so rough they break through the basement wall and end up in the backyard where everybody is having a cookout. Everybody from the movie, and then they start fighting, like they're like smash each other. Like I think at one point Rod smashes Frank with a brick, and then he puts his face in the grill, and then they fight so much they like burst through the fence into the driveway where rod finally bets him and says, say it say i'm a man he's like you're a man and then rod quickly does that little um tai chi move that he learned earlier from denise where he makes frank crap his pants and frank is like i can't fucking i can't believe this shit and then rod goes yeah and it's a freeze frame and that's it that's the movie So, um, I was, I was like, so, so in this movie at best, honestly. Okay. All right. No, um, no, let's, let's hear it. Uh, like I said, I mean, like the stunt thing, it got very predictable for me after a while. And I feel like the, the type of surreal humor that, uh, that the Lonely Island guys like and, and do together, I think it works much better in short bursts than mm, like, you okay. know, like what you see in their songs. I mean, I, I love that, but it's like a whole hour and a half of, of that. It, it's a lot for me anyway. But okay. uh, All right. yeah. 
So I, w- I was surprised. I, I kind of liked the movie at first, but by the end, I was just like, oh, okay. So it, it became right. a slog for me by the end. I was I, I didn't like this okay. movie quite as much as I was expecting it to. Yeah, go ahead. Are you a fan? Are you a fan of like the Adam Sandler movies? Because I mean, to me, this wasn't any more or less sillier than those. Like, if I have a feeling like if you like those movies, like if that's your type of sensibility, you would kind of like Hot Rod in the same way. Yeah, I'm generally not a fan of Adam Sandler movies. I haven't. There's a lot of them I haven't seen. Like, ah, I've I've seen The Wedding Singer. Um, I like him. I like Adam Sandler a lot as a straight actor. I I liked him in uh, in Funny People. I had my problems with that movie, but I I thought he was really good in Funny People. Um, but I ha- I haven't seen too many of Adam Sandler's solo movies. I've never seen like The Water Boy. I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen all of uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. Wow, or or others. Wow. I mean, well, I did. I didn't like Adam Sandler very much on on SNL, so I never made a okay. point of seeking out his movies. Okay, all right, fair but, enough. So yeah, if you, I, I, uh, I think I I must have seen like The Wedding Singer on TV, um, and I like a few bits of The Wedding Singer, but I have my problems with the wedding singer too and we can get into that if we ever do that movie as i'm sure we will someday yeah um, yeah I, re- I remember like sometime in the last year i watched that movie uh uh blended is that the one where the families go to africa drew barrymore was yes in yeah 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 just blended yeah i i had that on at one point i was probably i probably had it on while i was doing something else like on the computer or something um so on that level it was an enjoyable movie but yeah generally i'm not too into the adam sandler stuff uh, okay. Yeah, because I, I feel like if you were somebody who likes uh, Adam Sandler type movies, that's kind of. I mean, I think that's the audience they were going for. Because, like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, from what I looked up, uh, yeah, yeah, Sandberg said he was trying. He was inspired by like Wet Hot American Summer. He was inspired by like he, for his character, he wanted to be kind of like, um, you know, like an Andy uh, Adam Sandler type of character, or even like Steve Martin in The Jerk. Like he was uh-huh. kind of going for that vibe. So yeah, I think- and I can I can see that. Um, yeah. Um, I I also was like early on I was getting a real Napoleon Dynamite vibe. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you know it's like the small town America type of thing and very eccentric type of characters and um, some uh, like you know white trash type of characters with the mullets and, and stuff like that. It, it struck me as very Napoleon Dynamite. And Napoleon Dynamite, when I thought, I never saw Napoleon Dynamite in the theaters, but Napoleon Dynamite was one of those movies that had gotten built up so much by the time I saw it, I was just like, oh, this isn't good. Because nothing, because yeah. like some of my friends had built it up so much. They were like, oh, it's so incredible. You're going to love it. It's so, and then when I saw it and, and I, I'm sure it wasn't helped by the fact that I was watching it by myself instead of like a theater full of people. Um, yeah, I think like, I probably would have enjoyed it more if I saw it with an audience. And maybe I would have enjoyed this more if I saw it with an audience. But watching it by myself this morning, I was just like, eh. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I remember seeing Napoleon Dynamite like a bunch of times in the theater. I really, I, I dug it. Like, it, it, I, I'll, I'll admit, it has like that type of humor where either you're going to like kind of succumb to it and just kind of ride with it or you're not. Like, it's, it's, Either it'll hit you or it won't. Like I mean, it's the same way. Like uh, people like uh, Fred Armisen or uh, Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett sketches, and I they just don't hit with me. Yeah. But it's definitely like a very particular taste of comedy that they 
go for yeah, it. I think I think this style of comedy it's very hit and miss by its nature, and and like sometimes that works for me. Like a Wet Hot American Summer, I freaking love that movie. Um, and and I can get into it more my history with that movie when when and if we cover that movie. Um, but uh, the thing I really liked about Wet Hot American Summer, as I said earlier, is is it is it builds and it gets more and more surreal. So I think it's a really well constructed movie that way. Is they really parcel it out where it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And I thought this movie it didn't modulate its weirdness as well. You know. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. And I also liked how you said like, oh, it has like that kind of in the middle of nowhere America type of vibe. This movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this You're shot in Vancouver, right? Yep, F- filmed yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah, and and apparently they, you know, they filmed it on the summer break between the. Um, it was over the summer of two thousand six. Right, so, right. So and and like when they finished this movie, they um, uh, Sandler or Sandberg and the Lonely Island guys they reported back to SNL literally two days later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um... So the movie came out, um, did not do well, opened at number nine, uh, pretty much bombed. Uh, Sandberg actually uh, predicted that it wouldn't do well, remarking, uh, I'm reading right off the Wikipedia, (laughs) Sandberg remarked to Entertainment Weekly, it will get bad reviews. Comedy is traditionally not reviewed that well. In addition, he added that if future generations viewed Hot Rod with a similar reverence to films such as Billy Madison, he would consider the film to have been a success. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that, I think that shows a lot of uh, insight and, and perspective on his part. I think um, even though I don't feel like this movie entirely worked uh, for me, I, I think they were very smart to say like, oh, yeah, we're making a cult comedy here. So it's not going to do well. I don't I, no. I don't know how wide it opened. I mean, this seems like at best it would be a movie that you open small and let the word of mouth build on it. So maybe they yeah. try, maybe they tried to make it a blockbuster. And uh, um, Lord Michaels had an interesting quote on the Wikipedia page. He says, uh, "I've lived th- through everything from Wayne's World with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey to Tommy Boy with Chris Farley, all the things I did with Will Ferrell, even Three Amigos. Critics just don't like new comedians, and they certainly don't like them if they come from SNL or television. Later on, they revise their opinions and say that so and so's later films aren't as good as the first ones." I think the picture will be thought of differently in two years. Fair enough. I actually, um, if you, I found an article about it on uh, Vanity Fair, the recent one about how, cool. yeah, like, no, yeah, cool beans. So yeah, cool beans. Go for it. Lay it on uh, me. I, I didn't find this article at all, so so this will all be new to me. Yeah. So it's basically um, it says them talking about it ten years later about like how yeah now it's kind of seen in a different light how it's a bit of a cult classic and um yeah yeah it's um it, it kind of does have it's uh, has a successful uh it's looked more favorably nowadays yeah well i mean i think that's that's good and that is the sort of arc that these types of movies have i mean i i've had another friend who uh, uh my friend ben dale who was just who would rave about this movie he was like oh my god that's so funny it's so great and and somehow i never got around to seeing it with him he never showed it to me but um yeah, for me it was just so-so at best. So I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I know you love this movie, and I, I wish I could share your love of it. But it, dude, it's it's okay. This will not affect the podcast in any way. 
uh, we're, we're still friends. We, um, you know, I'm not taking your number out of my phone anytime soon. It's, it's okay. okay. I, I hear a little bitterness in your voice. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Okay. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Okay. Do, do we need to go to podcasters therapy or anything? No, I'm fine. It's good. Okay. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Okay. Um, so this, this was a hit for you. Swing and a miss for me. But what you get? Yeah, do? I think it, uh, that's how it is. Sometimes. Yeah, it happens, man. You know, opposite to track, two steps forward, two steps back. Um. So anyway, what what are we gonna uh, do? We want to read any of the uh, the tweets we got this week. We got a few tweets about, yeah, yeah. about hot rod. Yeah, we got some tweets about it. We put the word out as we always do. So let's uh, let's see what the what the people had to say. Okay. Um, let's see. We got uh, a question from Callie Ray uh, at uh, Sailor Callie. Um, says, question, is Hot Rod better or worse than Popstar? And uh, this is not a question I can answer because I have not seen Popstar never stop popping either. Um, I'm sure we'll be watching that at some point. But I don't know. I have no point of reference for Popstar uh, other than like seeing okay. the trailers or maybe an isolated scene. So, Darren, why don't you tackle that one? Uh, well, since I've seen both movies, uh, I'm going to say, for me, I'm going to say Popstar is better. I think yeah. it's, um, I mean, it, it's not as out there bizarre as Hot Rod. I think the jokes are more solid. I think the, the storyline is stronger. Uh, I, Popstar is just a better movie, I think. Mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, I think it's fun. I, that one, I think you'll like. Like if you don't yeah, like pops, like, I, I felt like Hot Rod. It it kind of treaded water a lot. It didn't feel like they had quite enough plot to fill out the whole movie. You know? Yeah. No, there were actually like a lot of scenes that they kept in there that was totally improvised. Like that yeah. scene with the um, where they're ringing the bell around the pool, uh -huh. and they and they all like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, had that, the meandering kind of feel of an improv scene. Yeah, I, where I think Pop Star, there's there's no meandering really. I think it's a stronger. I think it's a stronger, better film. I, I go with Popstar. Oh, I mean, and that's cool because that means they learned on the job and they learned how to make a um, more well-crafted film. So that's cool. I yeah, look forward I, to seeing Popstar. I still love The Lonely Island. So this there you go for me, but, you know, what you going to do? Yeah, I mean, this was their first film. I mean, you got to cut them a little slack. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, everybody deserves some growing pains. I mean, I wouldn't want to be judged uh, on our first few episodes of this podcast. Oh God, no! I yeah. don't want to be judged on on a majority of them. Yes, <laughs> we're not very good. <laughs> we're learning as we go. How about you going to do? Was, was there anything else out there in the Twitter sphere? Uh, oh, we have Ruby the Rube saying uh, it's a shame Andy Samberg films never perform well. They usually they're usually great, and The Lonely Island doesn't get enough credit for reviving SNL when it hit. A rough period after Will Ferrell left, and um, yeah, that's true. I think they they get a good amount of props. I mean, everybody remembers those digital shorts as being pretty key in helping SNL kind of revive itself and reinvent itself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think they get uh, uh, a decent amount of credit, but yeah, maybe they could get a little more. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, if I still remember, rated, but yeah, <laughs> they're definitely rated. 
I mean, I, I love that they still make a point of working together and doing stuff together. And, it, you know, it's always fun when you see, like, uh, Yorma or Akiva pop up on, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they've known, from what I read, they've known each other since high school. One of those yeah. uh, things yeah. where they're just they're friends for life. Yeah, and that's nice. And it's always nice when people can maintain friendships, uh, especially through the insanity of Hollywood and, and movie making and television making and all that. Here, here. So, all so right. thumbs up to the Lonely Island. Yes, and uh, yeah, so that's our podcast. That's uh, Hot Rod. And uh, so next week, uh, since as far as we know, SNL's not coming back with another SNL at home, we talked about, well, what are we going to do? You know, we got we to gotta pick out movies a little sooner than we anticipated. Um, so we, we figured out another one to do, and this is another one that is on uh, Netflix. This was done for Netflix. And it has a, a very interesting SNL connection. Uh, this is uh, the 2018 movie from David Wayne, who coincidentally directed Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, Whoa! The film is A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Yes, yeah, a movie about Douglas Kenny. Yeah. And, and Doug Kenny, if you don't know, Doug Kenny, definitely underrated uh, comic presence, I would say. He, he was one of the big people behind the National Lampoon. And he was one of the founders of the National Lampoon. And he, he co-wrote Animal House. And he co-wrote Caddyshack. And he, so he casts a long, long shadow on comedy. If you've seen Animal House, he has a small part in Animal House as, as Storch. Or Stork. Um, right. Who, who's, and he has the one line of, what the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? <laughs> so... Zingaroo. So I, I've I've been waiting to see this movie for years and years and years. There was like word of, about it for a few years before it came out, and uh, uh, I was very happy when it finally came out. And it, I will spoiler alert, it more than fulfilled my expectations. I really loved this movie. All right, so yeah, we're definitely going to get into it. it uh, Douglas Kenny in it, um, played by Will Forte. Domal mm-hmm. Gleason plays Henry Beard. You probably know. Dom Domhall, I think you pronounce it, but um, yeah. you you probably know him best as uh, General Hux from the Star Wars movies, and uh, what else? Ex Machina, he was in that too. Yeah, and and it's a lot of today's comedy stars playing the comedy stars of the seventies. We got uh, we got John Daly as uh, Bill Murray. Um, we've got Rick Glassman as Harold Ramis, Seth Green as Christopher Guest, Max Greenfield as Chris Miller. Another one of the Animal House uh, co-writers, um, Ed Helms as Tom Snyder, Thomas Lennon from uh, the State in Reno 91 as uh, Michael O'Donohue. Yeah, uh, some of these castings are pretty perfect. And oh, this was so. Th- speaking of perfect castings, Joel McHale as Chevy Chase. I mean, my that is spot on. That is incredible. And uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this. And there's a lot to unpack. And we'll, we'll find out about uh, uh, Doug Kenny's sometimes surprising connections with Saturday Night Live. Uh, but we'll yeah. get into that next week. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's our podcast. And uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Darren Credible, D-A-R-I-N Credible. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. 
And you can follow <laughs> Joe's uh, Twitter account at SNL Nerds Show. Right. And uh, please, uh, you can listen to us on uh, all platforms and check us out at nondexproductive.com where you can donate to our Patreon, give us some money, help us keep the lights on and, uh, and all that jazz. And uh, also, uh, please uh, give us a rate and review on uh, the podcast uh, subscription service of your choice. We, we always love reading those. We, we make a point of reading everyone on, a- on the air, and that really does help us boost the profile of the podcast. So if you enjoy this podcast, please tell a friend about it, rate and review us, subscribe. We love all of that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I guess that's the episode, man. I guess... Uh... And that's all we got. And, uh, you know, stay safe throughout these uh, crazy, crazy times and all that jazz. Stay safe. Wear your mask and glove. Stay home as much as you possibly can. Listen to more wash podcasts. It. Wash it. And wash your hands. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. <laughs> we'll see you next week with a futile and stupid gesture. But until then, nerds, nerds out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.